Hey, everybody. I'm Andrea Siminski, and this is the Hindsights 2020 podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend Manju about her pregnancy and birth story during a global pandemic, as well as ditching the mommy guilt and parent manual for grace and a trusted gut. We also chat about the big role that culture plays in our lives now that we're parents. All right, Manju, thank you so much for being here today. Do you mind just introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Manju. I live in Seattle uh, with my husband and my son. He's eight months. I'm 31 years old and I'm the true definition of an ABCD. (laughs) You and me both, kid. (laughs) Let's explain what an ABCD is. Yeah, so it's American Born Confused Desi, which I think just kind of sums up my entire life trying to weave in being Indian, but born in America. So how do I translate all of the things that my mom keeps telling me to do and then still not get made fun of in school? Oh my gosh, I feel you. I feel you. And then also for me on the flip side, it's also like people in the Indian community, I wasn't always Indian enough for them. I don't know about you, but like when I was learning to speak Gujarati, like I had an American accent and I think I got made fun of and it sort of stopped me at a young age from from going on and really learning it. So over the summer during COVID, I enrolled my kids in Gujarati Zoom school. Oh, you did? Yeah. I basically was like taking it at the same time, like learning the basics. But that's, so. that's amazing though. I think it's really hard. I mean, even learning Belugu, you would go to India and everyone can tell you're not from India just by the, the sheer dialect and the way that you're speaking. But then you come here and it should just be about the effort, right? Like yeah. even if I'm not saying it correctly, just give me some brownie points here. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to dive into that more as we go. But just to sort of back up and pause. So the kind of theme of this podcast and this season is looking back on 2020 and the wild roller coaster ride that we were all on. And, you know, everybody experienced last year differently based on what was going on in their world. And at the beginning of the year, I think you were, were you newly pregnant or were you kind of chugging along? in your pregnancy? Yeah. So I was newly pregnant. It was around like December of the previous year where my husband and I, you know, had decided we wanted to take that next step. And then we got pregnant. We were so excited. I started planning my baby shower. I started planning all the fun baby mood things we were going to do. And then the world shut down. Uh, So I was about like maybe 16 weeks when everything happened. Wow. And this is your first pregnancy you had to work kind of hard for this pregnancy, if memory serves, or no? Yeah, to a degree. I think for us, it was a combination of how do we go about planning this? And then how, I mean, truthfully, like, how does it actually happen? It's kind of nuts to think about, you know, all the commercials and things that you see that tell you, no, it's so easy to get pregnant, so easy to get pregnant. And then you actually go into the trying phase. You're like, wait, it's not that easy. There's like a tracker for this. I had all the tests, all of the uh, the sticks, everything that you can possibly imagine. I was tracking everything. And it took us a couple months, but we got there. And so, you know, I can I can sympathize with pretty much, you know, any version of of that road to to pregnancy because it can be really difficult and very very emotional. Yeah. So you enter the pandemic and the shutdown about 4 months along. 
you know, I'm sure you also had a plan, like you were planning your baby shower that didn't come to fruition, but also I'm sure your parents or your husband's parents and like family were planning to be with you kind of the, the Indian way. I mean, most like people, their, their parents decamped to their house for an extended period of time. So that got ripped out from underneath you in even giving birth. Like, what was that like? Yeah. So, I mean, the pregnancy itself was really, it was tough because one, my father is older. And so when everything shut down, you know, even though he had to go in at work, he was an ER doctor, is an ER doctor. He couldn't come and see me. We were too afraid for him and my mom to travel. And so they literally missed a lot of my pregnancy because of it. And the only reason they came to visit me in July was because I had a condition that literally does not happen to everyone. Um, It's maybe like 5% of pregnancies or something where you develop a tumor. And so I had a nasal tumor that had gotten so out of control. It was like, we saw it on July 4th. And then by July 10th, it was massive, like coming out of my nose. Sorry to be very graphic here. Wow. This is crazy. I had no idea. Yeah. So essentially we had had our quote unquote baby moon planned for the week after we were going to go you know, to Glacier National Park, it was going to be driving. It was going to be very uh, distanced from from anything that could cause us trouble. And we had to cancel it because basically when I went into this ENT, he said, you've got to get this out of your nose. I mean, you can wait till after you're pregnant. I was 30 weeks by that point. But if you don't, it might just impede your ability to breathe. And so I had to have nasal surgery. And I think my parents were so stressed out. They were more stressed out than I was. So I found out on a Tuesday, went in on Friday, and then Friday night they showed up. Did you have to go under general? I did. I did. Wow. And that was the That's most- why they were freaking out. Totally. And you know what? I was really lucky that the ENT, he was amazing. He gave me all of the information that I needed. He made me feel comfortable. But he also found somebody who had trained in anesthesia as it pertains to like pregnancy. And so that was who was working with me at the time of the surgery. So it was all around a really, really strong team. And I was out in 30 minutes, but I think what they were concerned about and what I was concerned about was what was going to happen to baby. And it's funny, my child is so active that the minute I woke up, I knew he had gone to sleep with me because the minute I woke up, he's just like jolting around. Like, what happened? Did I go to sleep too? And like kicking me nonstop. But that was probably one of the more frightening parts of the pregnancy as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, you're a super mom. I don't know about that. I mean, the whole pregnancy itself was kind of nuts, but then how I delivered was also kind of nuts. Uh, Yeah. My water broke as we were making dinner. My parents had come in because I was due in maybe like two weeks. So my mom came in, she did, there's a bangle ceremony that they do in India on certain weeks of the pregnancy is the only time you can do it. So she came in around 33 weeks and I think we did it around 36. And then I went into labor in 39 weeks. So Essentially, my parents went out for a walk when we were about to make dinner. And then, you know, I go to my husband. I say, I think my water broke, but it's really hard to tell because no one tells you what to expect. And he's like, oh, okay, well, like sit down, see if you, you know, if you go into labor, if this is just one of those false alarms, because I had been having contractions for a couple weeks. And I just look over at him. I'm like, yeah, my water definitely broke. We need to go to the hospital now. Oh my gosh. So was anyone else allowed with you or just you and your husband? It was just me and my husband at the time. I mean, COVID was still really, you know, heavily a big concern. They actually have a COVID wing in the hospital that you walk past and it's very scary. But they gave me Pitocin right after getting to the hospital. And so we weren't allowed to leave the room. We had really nice nurses. They actually went and got him coffee because we had to be up all night. 
but you can't walk in the hallway. You can't, I mean, you just use the restroom and the, and the place that you're given and you kind of walk those four walls for as long as it takes. Did you have to labor with a mask on or were you guys, once you're in your four walls, you were allowed to yeah. be mask free? You know what? They said I should keep the mask on, but at some point I was just like, nope, sorry, you all can wear a mask and I'm going to not wear a mask here. But I think like for the majority of it, they generally are pretty good about, you know, giving, giving the mom what she wants because it's just such an intense time. And even to that, I had my son's heart rate kept dipping during contractions. And so they had to monitor me all night. But basically, I mean, I wasn't going to wear a mask because they were just flipping me over from side to side. And it was already like kind of hard to breathe. So overall, it was just, I mean, they were kind about, about the choice that I made too. What a wild experience as a first-time mom. You know, hopefully you're blessed to have a second child if that's what you want. And then you can experience labor and delivery in the new normal, which, you know, who knows what that's going to look like. But so what month did you give birth to your son? September. He was born at the end of September. Oh, so you kind of mentioned that, you know, nobody prepares you for a lot of this stuff. Nobody tells you like what's happening. So go deeper into that because... You know, you normally when you have a baby, you're in community. You've got like all sorts of people around you helping you and all of these things. And I'm just curious how all of that looked for you. Yeah, I think the one thing I really felt badly about, and now even seeing my friends who are pregnant who have the opportunity to do things like go on baby moons, like I get a little jealous 100%. But I think the hard part really is like after we came home, it was a question of we have our we have my parents for support but there's this whole community that you're missing that you just you don't have if you can't see people and so like pets groups was one of the recommendations that i received from a lot of my friends and they were telling me about how it was great to meet these moms in person and like they would be able to show you know show them what their baby was doing and everyone was kind of on the same track in terms of milestones and when we came home it was just like survival because we couldn't have any of our friends around we couldn't have when we had our parents but that was it and then we didn't see anyone for months. And even to this day, we don't really, we don't see a lot of people because we want to be cautious. The baby's not vaccinated. We don't know what that does. But for me, it was particularly hard, especially in those weeks post-birth, because I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. And more importantly, I was messing everything up. In some capacity, I was messing things up. And then you, you tack on sleep deprivation. My son is not a great sleeper in that sense. He's just a very active baby. So he didn't sleep for more than maybe like an hour at a time. So I just remember my, like me waking my husband up at like 3am, like I am shaking. You need to like take the baby right now. We would just kind of like pass off back and forth. And then I think the hardest part was out of all of that, not knowing what was normal, you know, because at some point it's, all the books and all of the websites that I Googled said, okay, babies are supposed to be sleeping at, you know, this many hours a day and they're supposed to be eating this many, these, this many times a day. And for me, it was like, I cannot track whether he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. There was no community to tell me that's normal. My son did that. My daughter did that, or that happened to me. And it was only maybe after he was like five months that I kind of took a step back and stopped, you know, judging myself for not having the answers to the things that I thought I needed the answers to. And then, you know, I would tell my husband this, like, I feel like I'm failing a lot. And he would tell me, you know, many, many people have raised children without books, without Google, without mom blogs, stop reading them. And it wasn't until I took a step back and actually did that, that I realized a lot of like what I was doing was common sense. And that's, that's totally fine. You yes, know what I mean? To go, go with, with your, your gut. gut. 
Yes. Your husband sounds like a good man. That is amazing advice. Yeah, he's the best. (laughs) And also like postpartum recovery is not easy. Postpartum, you know, depression and all of that like is very real. And so it sounds like you went through the typical sort of post-birth recovery, questioning yourself as a first-time mom. And I'm really happy that you were able to find a place where you gave yourself grace and and really just rolled with it and eased into it. And I think the, the anxiety part of that, I mean, I had a lot of postpartum anxiety and, and truthfully, I didn't even realize it at the time. I just thought this was normal. But the fact that, I mean, I don't know if any other moms do this, but when Rayan, my son was born, I went, literally went to the bassinet and would just like check to see if he was breathing at like random times in the night. So even the 45 minutes that I was supposed to be asleep because he was going to wake back up, I'm sitting there watching this kid breathe. Totally normal. Totally normal. We all did it. And let me tell you, I I hate to tell you, but that anxiety probably will never go away. It'll just change forms as they get older and my sphincter is so tight. Like when my kids are running down the sidewalk in the city and I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to run into traffic. Like <laughs> that's a hundred percent what it is. It just transforms. It's like, I'm not worried about him breathing anymore, but now I'm worried about him crawling up the stairs and now he's trying to stand up. And there's all these other things that I'm scared of. Choking on a grape, shoving yes. a raisin too far up his nose. Yes. yes. Well, I don't know what <laughs> the raisin to is mommy yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know the food thing has got me a little a little shook. I won't even lie to you. I mean, trying to feed this kid food has been an exercise in itself. Well, let's talk about that because I love this. You and I, so first of all, we connected and I feel like the bridge for us and our friendship was when I was like, hey, can you teach me how to make chai? (laughs) You were like, yeah. (laughs) You're like, stop using this like store-bought crap with all these chemicals. Like just make it yourself. And that's when I think, I don't know, something just opened up between us and we can confess our sort of ABCD. So I was mentioning earlier that over the summer when I was just spending like so much quality time with my kids. And I feel very grateful for that. Like once I got to a place of acceptance, like this is happening, just lean into it and have fun. You're never going to get this time again. I like teaching them, you know, I had Nora doing Bollywood classes over Zoom and, you know, all like I took Barthnathium when I was younger. So I found some like YouTube videos and we'd like fill our day with dancing and language. And, you know, I think passing on culture through food is so important. Like Peter, I don't know if you've ever seen my Instagram stories. He, I have. <laughs> he loves chicken tikka masala and chicken curry and like all of these things. And it, you know, it just makes me so happy to, you know, everyone says when you have a kid, you kind of go back to childhood yourself and you re-experience life through their eyes. And so for me, it's like a second chance of really integrating this sort of cultural aspect into my life for myself, my husband and my kids. So Tell me all about that and how that's going for you with a small one and what you're finding surprising there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, from a food perspective, it's been really interesting. I mean, he only got cleared to like start solids about two months ago. And so since then, I mean, I tried the normal things. I tried the pureed pears and I tried avocados. And when he didn't seem to respond to any of that, I literally went for broke and said, mom, what did you give me as a child? And so she was like, hey, I would make you doll, honestly. Like we, we didn't have any of these books. We didn't have like the mom blogs. So I just went with what I knew you could, you could digest. And so I tried making doll, and I actually had both sets of moms. They both visited around the same time that he started eating solids. And so they both made it as well because like, just to be totally honest, like I'm a, not a great cook when it comes to Indian food. My husband is way better than me, um, but I wanted to try this. I wanted to get on the mom train and, and actually do right by my kid. 
And he ended up liking it. And so I was really surprised, one, and I said, this kid has like India running through his veins 150% because like he's not feeling the, uh, the pureed pears that I was told he was going to love. He's like really into dal. And it's funny now, like we gave him a couple bites of uh, something called matri, which is like, a, I want to say it might not be fried, but it's like a biscuit of some sort. And that he seems to love. It's like a spicy masala biscuit. And so if you put a little in his mouth, he just keeps opening his mouth because he likes the taste. And so I found it really funny that he was more interested in Indian food than he was American food. Oh, I love that. And P.S. If you have an Instant Pot, that will help you a lot with cooking and shortcuts because all can be tricky tricky with the pressure cooker. So I highly recommend using the Instant Pot. I think I'm going to have to because the pressure cooker sound freaks him out. Yeah, he just starts bawling his eyes out. Um, so I'm going to switch over to the Instant Pot. Do it. Also follow The Chutney Life on Instagram. I don't know if you... Do you follow her already? I do. I uh, do. I, tr- I made her cilantro... I say it's like a cilantro chutney that she makes. And I tried, I put it on everything. Yeah, so good. Oh my gosh. You also, so you, last year in 2020, you're pregnant, you have a baby, you're on parental leave and you switch jobs too. So a lot going on. Talk to me about the making that move. I mean, everybody's working from home, all of that. Yeah, the whole reason for switching jobs is just really, I came to a point where I wanted personal growth at that point in my career. And I figured there was really no other time that I was going to step back and say like, when can I make a change and actually commit to the change itself and follow through with it? And it happened that I, I got this incredible opportunity at DoorDash, which is where I'm at now. And for me, it was you know, really a discussion with my husband of, hey, is this the right time? Should I be making this kind of a change? Or, you know, I think everybody goes through the question of, should I be a stay-at-home mom? Because it was really, really difficult to leave my kid. And I didn't know how I would feel about that. And I think what he told me is you have to, you have to keep moving forward for yourself so that he is one understanding of, of what kind of you know, effort it takes to be a mom that is working and appreciates women that do work and, you know, learns all of the things that we do to support our kids and our families and also continue on with our career. But also so for myself, so that I could talk to someone who wasn't a couple months old and I could speak real human language, (laughs) for lack of a better way to put it. And so, you know, that decision itself was pretty easy when the opportunity came along, but it was a little bit harder on the emotional side, just because I knew I would have to be leaving him, you know, for about eight hours a day. And that, I think that's one of the more difficult things that you grapple with as a mom. Like I can hear him downstairs having a lot of fun with his nanny. And I'm kind of like, I want to go down there and see what he's doing. But if I go down there, he's going to cry. So. (laughs) Right. That is hard. And it is very unique. I mean, I stayed at home for many years after my children were born for like four or five years. And in a way, it might be easier when the new normal is here and you get to go to an office because I can't imagine, you know, being able to hear and it's just such a hard decision and personal decision anyway. So kudos to you for being strong and staying upstairs. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's the half of it too, right? Like I have to stay away from him, but I also think there is a part of me that you know, took this role now so that when I do have more kids, which is, you know, what we're hoping to do, that I can make that choice again. And maybe the choice itself will be a little bit different and I'll be farther along in my career. But I want the opportunity to to make the choice either way. And so that's, you know, kind of where I'm at with this is 
this was a great opportunity for the time and the place that I'm in and the career growth that I needed. But at the same time, like you never know what happens in the future or what might change. Totally. And in a year when so many women had to step out of the workforce to care for small children at home. Absolutely. Those are the true heroes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's really, um, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> Honestly, I can't imagine going to school myself during the pandemic, but having to like get them on a zoom and have them do homework. That's like being a true MVP right there. Yeah. And we're very fortunate. Our kids eventually went back to in-person and a couple different manifestations and that was not without its ups and downs. So, um, these kids are too little, like they don't need to do any, you know, like let's, let's just skip the zoom. And there were days where I certainly was like, forget it. We're not logging onto this. Cause you're not, you know, you're not in high school. So in a way that was a blessing to have the small kids, but it was also very hard because they needed 24 seven. Oh my gosh. Do you get them blue light glasses? Like what happens? They're just staring at a screen that we try to avoid giving to our kids for so long. Yeah. A lot of people did do that. Um, we, I managed to, it wasn't a lot of screen time. There's only so much you can do with on zoom with preschoolers. So it wasn't a ton, but the introduction of screens, you know, we had been really good leading up to all of this. We, we didn't really do too many Disney movies. We didn't watch too much TV or screen time. And like that just went out the window and yeah, I'm seeing the effects of it. You know, like I had to make some parenting decisions that I would not have otherwise done. It's really tough to like grapple with that too, though, because all of those parenting decisions that you're making, you know, there's really nothing else for them out there right now. Like they don't have the play groups. You can't go to like the kids gym. You can't go to the zoo. Like everything got shut down to the point where these little humans had their whole lives taken away from them effectively. And so I feel that. I think that we all made choices of where we needed to compromise. Totally. And like you said, you know, at some point it clicked with you after giving birth that you have to give yourself grace and like, it's okay. Trust your gut. Everything's going to be okay. So, you know, and I similarly, this is why I'm doing this podcast. Like I had so much guilt and I felt so badly, but now looking back and having these conversations, everybody was the same and like everything is going to be okay. And that just feels good to know. Yeah. And they won't even remember it. They're going to remember, Hey, I was at home with mom and dad and it was the best time of my life. And literally, I don't remember the fact that mom needed a break and maybe put on a movie for me. Or in my case, like I let him watch these five minute episodes of uh, mighty little beam. And I don't know why they don't have. Oh yeah. I love that show. Yeah. They don't have any words. And I kind of like that about that. But for right now, like, even though, you know, we're, we avoid screen time as much as possible, like sometimes I just I need to answer an email or I need to just sit down for a second and that just keeps them engaged for like five minutes. So it's quick, but it's so meaningful. Right. It's a good show. Well, as we kind of enter this new world, are there any takeaways, lessons learned, anything that came out of the pandemic that we can be grateful for? Because I think for me, it just felt like so heavy and hard. And right now, like the only way I can move forward is to sort of reframe it and really find the good in what happened last year. Because it was just, there was so much craziness. Totally. I think for me, especially having, having missed out on a lot of like the milestones that you get when you're pregnant um, and having that be really hard and very isolating, can be very isolating when you're pregnant to begin with. But when you don't have the ability to go out and talk to someone or get out of the house, even just to go to lunch, like simple things like that. I mean, it became a point where I was very 
in my own head, if that's a good way to put it, of you know, what I was doing and, and kind of missing out on everything. And I think the takeaway for me was that I'm really lucky to have a partner who is as caring and understanding, but also who can challenge me as much as, as my husband does. And the reason I say that is because I probably, I would never have gotten through the pandemic if he hadn't, you know, been a constant support system for me during pregnancy. And so when it came time to, you know, for me to go to the classes that I needed to go to, he was there, you know, beside me the entire time watching classes asking the questions, taking notes. And a big part of that was so that I didn't feel like I was 100% alone. And so I feel like he almost took on the other role of like a pregnant mom in a role play so that he could ask me questions and like read about things. And so I like to I like to say, even though it was a really hard year, I got two of my best gifts. I got my son, which you know I'm forever thankful for and wouldn't change anything of how it happened. Um, you know, realistically, I feel like I was very, very lucky during labor and the way that everything went, but also just our relationship became a lot stronger through the pandemic, being able to connect with each other and tell each other, you know, the hard parts of, of the day or what we were facing. And specifically for me, when I was pregnant, I got to spend all this time with him that I normally wouldn't have. So he was there every single day of my pregnancy, saw me grow every single day of my pregnancy. And now he's seen my son every single day. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It's truly incredible. I mean... I think we take for granted that, you know, you go off to an office and you're just sort of apart from each other all day long, your spouse and your child. So it is, it is really special. And what, you know, I wish you luck when you do go back to the office though, because I think that's going to be hard and I know you can do it. Um, Or do you work, are you going to be remote? You know, I don't know yet. I think it depends on what the company wants to do and what's, you know, makes the most sense just in terms of the environment. I'm open to going into the office. I don't think, I think there is benefit to being face-to-face, especially now that Zoom fatigue is is very much a real thing. I'm hoping that by that time, my son is, you know, a, a little bit more social and perhaps can have more interaction when I'm not around. And then it'll be sort of like, he's in mini, you know, mini human school and he can bring me those little, I don't know, they make you like pots and plants and like little paper cutouts that the babies quote unquote make, but it's actually a teacher is doing it. Right. Um, so I'm excited for that part, but it'll be very difficult. Right. And that's good for him, for his social, emotional development too. hundred percent. Yes. Oh my gosh. Manju, do you have any other parting thoughts, last thoughts that you want to share? For whoever is out there, if you're, if you're in pregnancy, you know, postpartum, anything, give yourself grace. I mean, truthfully, just all around everyone, give yourself grace. It's, it's a hard time, especially even as we come into this new quote unquote normal well, we don't know if there are variants that are coming out or is the vaccine super effective for a long period of time. As we navigate the unknowns, it's, it's just important to one, do right by yourself, take the time that you need, but also give yourself grace for the choices that you make because this is a weird time. We're all figuring it out. Thanks for tuning in to Hindsight's 2020. I hope you leave feeling more connected and able to see your own silver linings. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Special thanks to my sound engineer, John Kerr of Wayfair Recording. We can't do any of this without your support. Follow us on Instagram at Hindsight's 2020 Podcast and join the conversation at Hindsight's 2020 Podcast on Facebook.